You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. So, oh my God, Ash. Welcome to Spark Hi, TV. Thank you I'm for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, <laughs> so good. I mean, it's so funny. I'm so looking forward to this chat because literally we've been talking for the last 15 minutes, not on record. So I'm like, oh my God, we need to hit record because we've already like got all of the nuggets. <laughs> That's so good. That's right. Now we're, now we're prepared. Now we're like, you know, we've got what we're doing. <laughs> But why don't we just open it up to um, telling the Spark community what it is you do? What is Monty Compost? So um, Monty Compost Co, we have developed a monitoring device for composting. And now I just wish I had one on me, but I don't. Basically, it's a device that you stick into any sort of compost pile. It connects to our mobile app. And then it tells you basically how to compost efficiently, effectively, so it's clean, so it's fast, so you can retain nutrients. Um, it's basically just building the tools to help people compost. Like that's that's really what we're doing. Um, it's really cool. It's very much a, a new growing area, pardon the pun. Love um, that. <laughs> but I know that a lot of people have kind of a lacking or different perception of what composting really is. So I think mm-hmm. another big part of Monty is kind of just that education and awareness of compost. So good. Yeah. I love that. Kind of a bit of babble, but yeah. No, that's that's perfect. And so then composting, cool. But how did you get into that? Like, did you always want to start a business? Well, how did yeah. you? When I was ever since I can remember, I was like, I want to be the founder of a composting company. <laughs> so like, I was, yeah, I, I knew was, from an early age. Actually, actually, I I was kind of a weird kid. I remember when they asked me what I wanted to be, I said I wanted to be a podiatrist when I was in like grade seven. That is so I, random. I know because I was always really like, it wasn't not in like a fetish way, but I was always like really preoccupied with having clean feet. And mm, so someone's like, I oh, have that too. Like, doctor, yeah. Yeah, so I, like, I have to wash my feet like twice a day. It's yeah, a weird thing. Yeah, they have to be clean. And so oh, yeah. everyone's like this 12-year-old running around being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a dietist when I grow up. Um, but now I ended up being a compost entrepreneur. <laughs> Excellent. Bit of a pivot, bit of a, a life change. How did this happen? How it happened, though. Um, so what I was always into, though, was like sustainability and environmentalism always really passionate about the environment, about ecology, about animals. Um, but I didn't know anything about compost. Um, so I'd been doing, you know, volunteering and being part of different clubs and all of that. Um, and it wasn't really until I was getting towards the end of my uni degree um, and I did business management and IT. 
again, nothing related to compost, even though mm. I'd been part of, you know, these groups for years, for like almost a decade at that point, um, being involved in the environmental movement. Mm. And it was literally just reading this book on agriculture. And it's very like, it's very like relevant now. The book was called The Coming Famine. Oh God. It's really, yeah, it's really scary. It's really yeah. grim. It's like predicted everything that we're going through now. But one of the things that they were talking about were like the degrading soil that we have, the fertilizer shortages, all of these agricultural supply chain issues, mm. and how this incredibly easy, valuable, accessible solution was just taking the food waste that we naturally produce, mm. whether it's, you know, your leftovers or avocado pits, whether it's, you know, grass clippings, all of the organics, Mm. that come out of our lifestyle and returning that to the soil through composting. And wow. I think it kind of just like randomly, you know, when you stumble across something and you're just like, you just can't get it out of your head. And it's like, I feel like I just kept coming back to it being like, wait, so no one's doing this? Because at the same time, I was, you know, getting into, through my business degree, I was getting into entrepreneurship. So everyone's always thinking about ideas and they're like, I'm doing this fintech or I'm doing this yeah. shit. And then I'm like, compost. <laughs> so I, yeah, I ended up just doing um, this research project on it and coming first in that because I just went all out on the research. I wrote like a 15,000 word report wow. on compost, like on a compost business proposal. I just got so obsessed with it. Um, and then I had like 25 grand in my bank account to make to make that business, even though I hadn't really thought about how I was going to do that at all. And then I applied for an accelerator at my university and I got into that and then it all just kind of became a reality and I'm like, okay. Like I'm really a compost entrepreneur now. Yeah. I don't think it sunk in really. I don't think I really like considered the reality that the next like decade of my life, I was just going to think about the word compost, like several dozen times every day I don't think there's as many like I think wow yeah that's kind of grim but (laughs) I'm glad somebody's trying to save the world though like I remember hearing you speak at one of your events that we had in the scrunch office and you said that and you're like I'm sorry what you're telling me that we can solve all the world's problems by composting why is nobody talking about this? No one saw And that's just like, it was crazy to me at the time. And that's why I got so obsessed with it. Because obviously mm. it's not just from an environmental perspective. It's from a, it's just from a pure business perspective. You yeah. have this market of 3 billion tons of organic waste every year that's going wow. to landfill that could be turned into a valuable end product. Like, that's just a business opportunity right there. Like you don't even have totally. to be environmental to see that as something. And so mm-hmm. it was very logical to me to pursue it. Um, and then it just, <laughs> the ball just kind of rolling. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh God. And I'm just being what did I do? Um, I know. What did I do? <laughs> I mean, it's good though. It's good. Like I, it is good. <laughs> like it's not, it, I'm very happy. Amazing. I say crying. Um, and I think it's so meaningful what we're doing. But it's been a very, very tough 
three years, mm. three and a half years. Well, it's a physical product. Like it's hardware. Yeah, so that's I, yeah. crazy. How Very did you hard, even, like, how did you even go about like getting a hardware product designed, developed, manufactured? Like I see you rolling your eyes and I'm like, oh, this is a story. This is a time. Uh, it's like, it's so hard. <laughs> like I don't, oh, that goes without Good, Don't sugarcoat it. Don't sugarcoat it. Like, oh my God. And everything is so expensive and you ship mm. product and it all breaks at once. And then you have to get it back and then it just broke for a stupid reason. And then you repair it and then you have to do a redesign and oh my God. So I was an idiot. Like I, like looking back, that's probably one thing I would change is that I would do your software part first mm. and then do the hardware part when we had a bit more um, kind of like progress. But, you know, what I tell myself now is like, you know, we're very competitive now having a hardware component. Oh, like yeah, anyone totally. who, who would try to copy us, it would be impossible, not impossible, but it would take a lot of sanity and a lot of money. Mm. Um, but I was an idiot. That's what happened. I thought that I did an IT degree and I did one course in like electronics programming. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can found a startup. Easy. I can solo, sorry, a hardware startup. I can solo start by myself with an IT degree as like a 23 year old. Yeah. No problem. No, no, it's really hard. But I kind of think, though, if you don't think that way, you don't do it. Like, if I knew what I was in for, I'm not sure if I would have started the business. That's a good point. That's mm. a really good point. There's not, like, uh, uh, even I'm not masochistic enough to willingly go into the torment that these three years have been like because even though you know there's the reward it's still just like it's hard I know and there are days where you're like you know what if I just worked in a job how easy would that be being able to leave work on Friday like get out uh, uh, no we love our job um actually just on that that's one of my favorite quotes that a mentor has said to me is like the best part about being your own boss is you get to choose the 15 hours a day you work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It's like so true. I get all this flexibility to grind myself into the dirt <laughs> or into the compost in my case. Absolutely. Well, um, at least you're saving the world whilst you're grinding yourself into exactly. the compost. And, and see, that's something that I remember as I have to remind myself as well. Like as mm. much as I, you know, whinge about this sort of thing, I did like a corporate internship in my, before my last year of uni. And it was only three months and everyone I worked with was really nice. And the work was, you know, challenging, but, but like I learned a lot and it was a great workplace. Awesome. I, knew after like three days I was like I can't do this like I knew and it was wasn't during the big bushfires but it was the summer before so there was still some really devastating bushfires happening Mm. and I just remember like every day I turn the news I just felt sick because it's like oh my god there is all these climate environmental problems which I know is my life's work Mm. and I'm working at this bank Mm. developing some 
like so I'm going to act for them. I don't care about this. Like, and I know that if I had spent these past three years doing some grad program at a consultancy or something like that, and this is no, no shit to anyone who does that, but as someone who very much knows what their life purpose and life passion is, yeah, I feel like I would, if I had done that, it would be, and I couldn't be happy. Yeah. Know? Oh my God. Totally. Yeah. Like I will whinge every day of the week about what I'm doing, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like, so I did, I'm a little bit older than you and I worked for, believe it, doll. I know, cute. I know. Thank you. Thank you. It's all the concealer. <laughs> All the Botox for me. Love love it. (laughs) Um, But I worked for years in corporate and had Mm. no, so I didn't even know, this is how, um, speaking about being an idiot, I'm like, I didn't even know that you could start a business. (laughs) I didn't even know. It's so funny. Everyone's like, when we did our first capital raise, they were like, oh, what did you do? What was your strategy? I was like, I didn't even know somebody that could lend me $100, let alone invest in a business. You know, like it was total flying blind. So I actually, I'm just stoked for you that you know what your life purpose is and you get to start on it early. That is so cool. There's so many people who are 40, 50, 60, 70, who are like just grinding out in their corporate day jobs because they don't know what they're interested in, passionate about, or that there's another way. I see that so much. And I think one, yeah, I do. I do feel so lucky that I I know every day when I wake up, okay, I if I accomplish something around this, then mm. when I'm 80 years old, I'm going to be happy with the life I've lived. Um, but, like, I went through, like, I tried so many different things, though. Like, when I graduated high school, I went to, like, a film college for one semester, and then I yes. studied psychology and international relations and, like, then I did international business and all that time I was doing like these different kind of jobs and internships everywhere. Like, of course, there was hospital and then there was also like a marketing job and like an IT desk job. And, you know, I worked in like China and Denmark and I was, as part of like wow. the university program. And yeah. I just tried all of these different things. And yeah. I knew quickly, I really trusted my gut. I'm like, okay, you know, this part of the job, it's fun, I kind of, kind of find interesting, but not going to do it like long term yeah so I think that by doing all of that you know it's lit it was literally just by process of elimination that I was able to really say no this this is the issue and this is that I care about and this is the way that I'm going to to work on it Mm. and I do feel so like privileged that I've been able to do that I've had the opportunities to do that so I just feel like for you know anyone who's gone who's going to university or gone to university like you have the ability to find what your life passion is but you Mm. have to be willing to give things up you have to be willing to try something and not be embarrassed or ashamed to say this wasn't for me it's not a failure but it's just figuring out that this isn't the right path and trying the next one I love that I love that so much, you know, like I feel like some people, um, especially people who kind of um, go through corporate careers, they're always like, I've got to at least be here for one to two years or it's going to look bad on my resume. I'm like, um, what? Depends about your resume. You never yeah. get a job with a resume these days anyway. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's the truth. 
Yeah, you you just don't like if you're getting a if you're getting a job through resumes, like, honey, come on, <laughs> you, you don't you don't know enough people. You've got to you've got to like find the company you want to work for, mm. stalk every single person who works at that company, connect with them on LinkedIn at the same time, and then like strategically like their posts until the time you just cold message the recruiting officer. How you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I love. I love how this turned from a business interview into this is how you land your perfect job. That's how I would hire someone. Like, like, that's, like it's seriously. Totally. I think the modern workplace is changing so much, and mm. like these traditional ways of like you know, you get a resume, and this comes back to starting your own business as well. Like the number of consultants and freelancers. And different kind of like, you know, part you do part time for three days a week at a company and then you freelance mm. the rest of your time. Like mm. our the career or I feel like people need to stop thinking about work as a job and more as like a vocation. Mm. And it's like it's this thing that you're gonna be doing for the rest of your life. You need to find meaning from what you're doing. And that doesn't mean it should be, it has to be always interesting. Like, mm. God, I fucking hate answering emails. I hate <laughs> Like 90% of the job I have to do. Like I hate so much of what I do, but even if I've had the most boring day, I still Mm. leave being like nice. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. And I think it's so interesting because as business owners, you want people working for you who think that way, who go, I want to change the fucking composting world. And they stalk you on LinkedIn and they talk to you about what you're interested in and their vision for the future. That is the kind of employee you want. You don't want someone who's like, well, I've done this and I've done this. And the recruiter said I could get a good wage if I worked with you. Like that sucks. That actually sucks so much. Much. And with those people, you're never going to be a good match because if they're approaching working with you like that, then they're yeah. going to approach working with the next person and leaving you like that. So I oh, think that that's why I love, oh my God, team, team Monty is like, they're all so incredible. Like, tell me about it. Amazing. Like, it's yeah. everyone. Oh my God. I could talk about my team for days. They are. Like I, how did I'm you so, find them? So, so lucky. Oh my god! So it's it's actually really funny. So um, I I I would honestly just call her my business partner. Like so, Phoebe um, she joined like after I've been working at Monty for like a year and a half. Mm. Um, on kind of like the business operations side, while I started moving into product more. Um, but we'd known each other since high school. So like like we nice. would, we had literally known each other for ten years, and she is just like. Like we're very similar, but we're also quite different. I don't, I don't know. That's what I'm, <laughs> that, and <laughs> I'm like, that's so very confusing. But yes, cancels out so much. But um, what? we're very different, but we get on so well. And like, yeah. like because we're friends, and because you know we've been friends for so long, we can be honest with each other. We can mm. tell each other to shut up. We can you know <laughs> be rude and then be getting on like the next minute. So that was so essential in being at an early stage startup because like yeah. you don't when you're in a startup you don't have you can't afford the veneer of professionalism mm. that corporations do like you can't afford all of that stuff you know you're working out of we worked at Phoebe's house for like three months yeah and like you just have to do things differently so she was like just essential in that first year of us together after we raised money um 
But then once we did our second round, um, we brought on a product owner, Junior, and he's just the smartest person I've ever Oh, met. my God. I know Junior. He is. He's oh amazing. Yeah. He's brilliant. Like, yeah. I've, like, he's like, he's like everyone's guru as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, he'll just, like, come out because he's, oh, God, even get me started. And then Emily, and she's our marketing person. She's so, like, she's a hustler. She's, like, 21, and she's, like, just works so hard. She is just going to, like, take over the world. And then we've got Lewis and Amanda, um, and they're kind of, like, uh, part-time analysis de- developers. Oh. So they, yeah. they do all kind of, like, the research on the analysis side, and they're both geniuses. Like, Lewis was the one who, like, studied mathematics, and then Aninda just, he works at Cyro on his PhD. Like, wow. They're both brilliant. And I'm just sitting there like, I'm like, like, I appreciate my role in bringing it together. So I'm not meaning to like discredit myself or anything, but I like, I talk to all of them and I'm like, these people are so much smarter than me. Oh my <laughs> like, but, but that's what they say, so right? yeah yeah you want to hire people better than you for sure but every day I'm like sitting like today Aninda and Lewis were like in the lunchroom blah 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 talking and I was like hey guys what's you chatting about and they're like oh yeah we're talking about like Markov chain matrixy um backfiltration I'm like what like okay, oh, well I'm sure. gonna go now with my wine yeah, and- <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go email someone like, <laughs> it's, it's it's funny, but yeah, and I think that's the other thing I guess that makes this journey worth it is the people you get to work with. Like, yeah. I compare them to every other job. Is like, oh my god, it's not even a comparison. Like working with the people who would work at a compost startup, yes, or just a startup in general. Mm-hmm. They're a different breed of people. Like yeah. they are so creative and so inspiring every day so so I really love that as well um I think we got onto this tangent because you asked about a hardware startup oh my god I think so well and I was gonna say yeah yeah. I was even gonna say so yes a like hardware that's insane but the other thing I wanted to know was now that you have a team how has life changed for you like how has your role as the startup founder evolved now that you've got people around you I think what happens is that just like you know when it's when it was just me I was doing everything yeah and that like literally everything I wanted to fine deep breaths breaths. everything I can't Mm. I'm getting like like war flashbacks (laughs) um doing everything and then you know you bring one person on and like Phoebe came on and she started focusing on more the business side so I could you know then that took off like 40% of what I was working on there Mm. and then I was able to allocate that to more product company related stuff um and then you know Junior came on and he started focusing on obviously like he just owns the product like a boss yeah um so I and I just have a hundred and it's the same as Emily focused on marketing like I I was doing both of those roles mm. I have a hundred percent faith in them I barely touch those functions anymore like we do Amazing. check-ins and stuff but you know they get the mission everything like they just do everything and I always it's so funny I always get 
compliments, particularly on the marketing because it's so outward facing mm. and people are like, oh my God, every, your socials have stepped up so much. They're so great. And I'm like, it's literally this incredible person. Yeah. Like, and I think that that's the really cool thing is that um, you get, even though I enjoyed some of those parts of the job, I would mm-hmm. rather like see someone take that on and really own it and do better than I could possibly do. Yeah. That's what, what's best for the company. Um, but what the downside of that is that my job is boring. All I do is like, all I do is like answer emails and do invoices and call people and follow them up and reply to shit. It sucks. Like I, at least I got to do fun stuff before. Now I'm just, I'm just boring. You're a, you're a, you're a manager now. Blah. I don't like it. I don't want to be a manager. Just let me go back to my compost. Um, <laughs> no, like, it is mostly like management stuff, but again, you know, it's not that hard. Yeah. It is stressful, but I don't think like I wouldn't describe the work as as really hard anymore. Um yeah. maybe maybe it's still hard, but it's not complicated anymore. You know, it's quite straightforward yeah. now. Like a lot of the complex problem solving related to operations or market or mm. product. I've got these amazing people who who solve those problems. Yeah. And now my job has just kind of become removing barriers and stuff and making it as easy as possible for them to do that yeah Um, and I assume like if you raise capital again or if you do those like you'll be in that super high level strategic stuff yeah yeah you don't get to touch anything else but I mean I think that's a good thing like I think Mm. you need to give ownership of those areas to the people who are running them I think like Yes. That was one lesson that I learned is like stepping back from micromanaging. It's not healthy to grow a business. Like there are a lot of things you'd learn very quickly when you're doing something like a hardware and software startup mm. that you have to learn very quickly. Otherwise you spend tens of thousands of dollars mm. on tooling and parts and stuff that breaks. Shit. And it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> How did you, did you find as you were doing that, did you uncover Mm. any shortcuts? Like if someone was like, hey, I've got an idea for a hardware product, did you like figure out any kind of shortcuts to avoiding those problems? Or was it, sorry, you're actually just going to have to like go through the pain? (laughs) Yeah, I I think you have to just go through the pain. Like like it it depends what hardware it is. Like I think if the hardware already exists Mm. like if what you're saying is I want to make a lamp which I'm saying because there's a lamp in front of me yeah I want to make a lamp but the lamp is red or the lamp is made of fire or the lamp is something like it's like it's something that already exists but kind of different but you're making it different yeah you can find like the shortcut is you hit up China and you yep. find someone who already does that and you get their team to make an alteration. Yeah, like, gotcha. That's your shortcut. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. A lot of the time, like this is something that a lot of hardware people don't know is that a lot of the time what you want to invent already 98% exists. Mm. Don't try and make a 100% new product. Yeah, right, make that two percent really special. Yeah, but in our case, 
It is very, it's like 100% new. Mm. Um, well, it's not 100% new. I would say that there were certain aspects of it that we could have potentially um, reduced the initial design effort into but yeah. you know it's it, not to a degree that it would have saved us years you know yeah, we okay. still would have had to go through all of this um so I, I would say hardware consider what you're really inventing consider mm. if like is it something that already exists and is slightly different or is it something that's completely different and if so like is there a different way to do it like for example if mm. I would have done it Differently, I would have started with the software, built up a user base, mm. and then then went ahead and built the hardware. But you live, you learn. No harm done. My yeah. sanity is just gone. Cool. <laughs> Easy. My stress tolerance now, though, is like through the roof. Like I could go through anything. Nothing oh my god. That is like one of the things that being a business owner teaches you, right? Like strength and resilience that no corporate job could actually give you. Oh god, no. Like, like seriously, you just you just get on with it. Nothing yeah. bothers me anymore. And I think actually one of one of the like sub segments that I think is so funny is public speaking. Like mm. I remember when I started entrepreneurship and I was like giving presentation or doing a pitch and I was like shaking I was so nervous all the time and now I'll just roll up and be like what's up everyone and we like in front of like an entire group of like really professional people and I was like um so like that's the thing yeah I just won't even put in any effort in front of like a hundred people I'm like whatever um so yeah I think think because you know it now though right like when you're first starting out it's like you know, you're defining what things are, you're defining yeah. who your customers are. There's all these questions that get thrown at you that you're like, I don't know. And then you have to go find out mm-hmm. what your answer is to those questions. And then by the end of it, like you go, literally, I say the same thing every time I talk about this. I know what I, and actually yeah. that's something that has started, I've started experiencing recently that I really love, especially as a young person, because, you know, at the beginning of this, mm. because compost um, kind of, falls into a lot of different categories you know it's food waste it's sustainability we've got a hardware product we're in recycling we're in circular economy like we're in all the buzzwords around Mm. there and it's software it's like it's a lot of different areas that we fall into so whenever I was back then like a few years ago when I was first starting out falling into like talking into people who were like experts in those fields um I felt very kind of like and a lot of the time people do this they they try and make you feel inferior like you don't know what mm. you're talking about it's that so just sounds common. like a young business uh, world problem uh yeah yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh. I feel you oh, oh my god and I am just so mad good I'm glad we're mad about this three years ago but mm. not calling those people on their bullshit like yep. I had some VC tell me that I didn't know about compost and I'm like bitch what sorry I forgot that I was no 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 that's right we we have wine so we're allowed to we're allowed to get real on this I mean, podcast it's good in a way that remembering those experiences mm. hardens you for future, to deal with future experiences oh but my at the god same time looking yeah. back I'm like how like first of all how dare you like, like I have been researching this for years 
like, and back then, because obviously you're starting out and you look at these people and you're like, oh, you're so high up. You must know so much. Mm. And as you go through it yourself, you're like, actually, you've never started a startup. You've never started anything. You just sit there spending other people's money. Like, and you're going to sit there and tell me about something that's my subject matter expertise. Mm. No. No, sweetie. That's <laughs> <what I'm thinking>. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> oh my god! No, I I love it so much because like so I remember so I started Scrunch, which is um, software as a service, tech platform, data <laughs> analytics. Um, are you choking? <laughs> laughing. Sorry, I was I I was listening to that though. No, <laughs> so good. But I remember I went to my first tech networking event in Brisbane. 10 years ago and it was basically a room full of men with pizza and beer because that's what tech networking events were that's what it is love it that's what I do for um it uses blockchain and it's gonna be innovative (laughs) it was so funny because this guy was drinking a beer and basically spitting at me and going oh you'll never make it in tech because you're a blonde woman and I've like I walked out of that fucking networking and I was like you it's like a prominent dude in Brisbane technology scene as well and I'm like because you're a blonde woman yep I was like, but fortunately I've used that as fuel. I walked out of there and I was like, I will show you. <laughs> That's what I, I was always so say, mad. You need to have the attitude of yeah. someone who was just rejected from Australian Idol. You need to have the attitude of, do you remember they used to film them coming out and they're like, I'm going to be famous and I'm going to show I'm going to show them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I'm going to show that. And you know what? I did get to do it the other day. Like there was this, um, like this angel investor who, you know, when I first talked to him, like really early on, oh, he was such a banker. Oh, and I like, I thought he was this networking event and I totally just like, mm. you don't need him. Like no, seriously, and that's, and that's the thing that I've found You've well, got to find that, your like, people. And that's why like our investors are so incredible. Like I, they've been always just like, so respectful and I've seen them talk that they treat every founder the same whether it's men or women but Mm. like it's definitely out there but it's frustrating because it's like the in startups I feel like the way that women are treated Mm. it's either kind of like this really insidious passive aggressive or little snarky comments like that that aren't super overt yeah you feel like you can't make a big deal out of it because it's just a snide comment from one guy yeah they build up and it's like oh yeah when you're going every single day and getting that then it really it it does build up and it's like I don't feel like this is the place for me because even if it is just once a week or once a month or even just once Mm. it's still like that mindset is acceptable because you've clearly said that to other people and haven't been called out yeah and it's, so it's either that or women are treated like a novelty in startups. Mm, yeah. And that can be a little bit frustrating, the kind of pandering. Mm. It's like, like, I, like it's, I'm kind of in two minds about it because I really love promoting women in startups and working in startups and giving a leg up to, you know, the people who are traditionally not seen in these industries. But at the same time, don't attribute my success to the fact that I'm a woman like that's 
don't yeah, say like, that I was successful in spite of that. Yeah. It's like the only people who think that being a woman is a barrier to business success are people who make it a barrier. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's not what there's nothing inherently preventing women being successful and needing all of these platforms mm. other than the people who are creating the barriers and the ceilings. But that's just me having a wind, having a wine. Having I a love wine. that. I love that so much. It's, you know, it's so, you know, I've done, I think, five capital raises in the last decade. And the so the amount of male VCs or angel investors that I've spoken to who have said, yeah, things like that, like you'll never make it because you're a woman in technology. I had someone tell me I was too perky, to which I replied, uh, you're fucking lucky that I'm perky because this is hard. So I need to maintain this level of energy to give you a return on your investment. Anyway, that aside. You know that if, and you know that like if you'd been a guy, they'd be like, yeah, he was really positive, really upbeat. <laughs> like, wow, I know. Drives me. Yeah, exactly. But that's what it's like. It's the double standard, isn't it? So, so annoying. Like it's so frustrating. And I think, you know, like my, my mom was a queen. She like worked her way up and like spent 40 years at the same place just like such a hard worker and so to me like I never I never I don't think I ever understood like why is there an there's no barriers towards women that's Mm. nonsensical like and then actually getting into this space and getting those snide comments I mean Mm. like how how is that a thought you're thinking Like, like what's wrong with you like have you not seen the level of failure that occurs from men Mm. why do you like how can you reconcile those two how can you say oh my god the startup industry has such a high failure rate oh it must be because we have so many women in it what like like that just makes no sense if any you know what I mean exactly oh my god oh my god you have just had a revelation there's such a high failure rate and how many women go into business and how many women are underfunded we can literally blame it on male founders right here <laughs> people are going to hate people are going to hate this episode by the way no I don't care no I, I, I kind of love what you said that the the only because I feel exactly the same like I get what we go through because I've been through it but I never want to use that as an excuse to hold myself back. I'm like, I will be successful regardless. And I love what you said. It's like, it's only a problem if you make it a problem. You have to find, yes, it's a bit of extra work because we've got to deal with some idiots, but there are people out there that will support great ideas. And you know what? I think if anything, and this is something that I apply it to anyone we work with um, from a compost perspective, but I think it also works from like a, you know, diversity and, and like gender perspective as well, because it's like, if, you know, if an investor in this example won't invest in you because, you know, you're a woman, but he invests in a man, then that male founder is going to have to deal with a sexist investor. Yeah. Now that investor, if he's that prejudiced, he's probably going to be a really difficult investor in a lot of other areas. Yeah. Good people typically aren't prejudiced against mm. different demographics, 
So in a way, that's kind of like being a woman is kind of like a natural bullshit idiot filter. You know what I mean? It's like yes, that is awesome. You know, and it's the same as compost. It's like we get so many people who pass us over because it's like mm, compost. Um, but it's like, okay, so you're clearly a person who can't see opportunity, can't identify maybe unconventional but still valuable areas of investment. Cool, we don't want you. Like we want people who can think open-mindedly, who can be accepting and who are supportive. And it's like, great, you've just helped us filter out the shit people. And I think that's one reason why we have such a great team because, you know, maybe we don't look like the cool fintech startup that ends up attracting all the really superficial people and all the investors who have like, they they have to have a double male founding team where one's like this this nerdy engineer and the other one's like a savvy trust fund baby whose dad's going to swile the full of seed round. Um, anyway. Give um, people spring to mind. Anyway. <laughs> but like, that's fine. That's fine with me. If you're going to think, through, if you're going to have those kind of prejudices, then that makes it all the easier for me to identify the people that I don't want to work with, you know? Mm. Oh my God. I love that so much. And it, and you know what, that is the best way to look at not only investors, but customers, team, like anything. It's like, let people, let people self-select themselves out. That's it. It's self-selection. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm going to be as composty and lame as I want to. And I'm going to end up getting people who are the same as that. So Yeah. That is incredible. Okay, so let's finish up with some words of wisdom. If you could transport yourself back um, a few <laughs> years ago and give yourself some advice, so because lots of people that watch Spark TV are kind of early stage founders or just taking the leap or trying to convince themselves to take the leap, yeah. what do you wish you knew all the way oh back? Oh, my God, obviously buy Bitcoin, right? <laughs> buy Bitcoin, yes. Everyone. Ever, ever buy Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think I think that's just machine deep. buy Bitcoin. Default, default answer. But um, no, my actual advice to Ashley starting out or anyone in this space that I guess a lot of people start out in, which is this like university co-curricular startup ecosystem. Mm. I feel like a lot of people come from that space, or even like networking events, hackathons. Oh my god, like whatever yeah. <laughs> um, real real don't worry whatever you're getting into um just don't listen to the bullshit mm. people are like the further into the startup journey you get the more unprofessional and like fake you realize it is you like you realize that everyone is just trying just trying to like make it by and feel like and look like they know what they're doing yeah there's there's so much mythos that's been created around startups you know you've got like these these gangster developers who are just cashing deals and and Mm. doing all this stuff and you go to meetings in a bathrobe and I'm like the cool hacker man guy and it's like not like that like like that's maybe 0.1 percent of cases and all of those guys are douchebags like 99.9 percent of the startup ecosystem is people who are trying to 
do something really hard, mm. but they feel insecure about doing that because they look at that 0.1% and the media shows that 0.1% to them. Yes. So I would say just keep the startup like advice out of your head. Like not, yeah. not the advice, but like the, the startup theater. The culture. Just don't look at it. Don't, yeah. don't watch the culture. Exactly. Yeah. Don't be a little culture vulture. Don't yeah. try and get in on that. Just find your idea, find your business, find your people, what you're going to work on. Use like startup methodologies and use like the techniques in it. Mm. But don't get caught up in the bullshit and don't like, don't feel insecure. Like if you're starting a business or you're working at a startup, you're already taking such a huge risk and you're already going against like the rat race. You're already doing something really brave and you should never let anyone make you feel stupid or anyone makes you feel inferior because they sit behind a big desk and have someone else's money to throw around. So it's like, just, yeah, that wasn't like one word of wisdom. That was like a billion, but I love it so much. Be yourself, no. babe. Be proud of yourself. <laughs> do you. You do you, babe. No, but it's so true. Look, I could literally could not agree with you more. I I read all, I drank the Kool-Aid. I read all the MVP books. I did the Lean Start, whatever the fuck it was. I did all of those things. And I actually created a business that I was miserable in. And I just, you know, I used to get rolled out by um, different government people to sit on panels because, you know, I was a woman in technology back then. And I like got to this point where I was like, oh, this is all bullshit, (laughs) you know, and it wasn't until I really went, you know what, what do I want to do? What problem am I really trying to solve? Who do I want to hang out with for 15 hours a day? And what do I want my business to look like? Because for me, my business is my life. Like the balance, the balance is bullshit. For me, it's always going to be what I spend the bulk of my time on. Mm. What you want to bring you meaning. Absolutely. And I was like, if I keep subscribing to all of this startup culture, I'm going to be miserable forever. So let's you flick that. Like the whole premise of it is you're never good enough. You need to work yeah. harder. Yeah. Like you're never going to be good enough. The deal's never going to be big enough. There's always going to be someone getting valued more than you, even though valuations are bullshit. Someone's, yeah, it's just, it's just a waste. It makes you miserable. Oh, totally. I remember when we raised like millions of dollars and then my PR person was like, nah, it's not interesting enough for media. And I was like, what the fuck have I got to do? Like, what do I have to do? Maybe that would have helped. Would that help? It's hilarious though. Like that's really interesting way to put it. Like it's nothing's ever good enough. Yeah. It's never going to be good enough and you're never going to be good enough. And as a woman in it, you're either going to be a novelty or you're going to be laughed at. Mm. That's it. You're either going to be like put on this phony pedestal and treated like some like goddess, like, but like ascribed all these male attributes that Mm. you've been successful despite your gender as if that's such a handicap Mm. or you're going to be like resented for your success even if you are successful even if it's by their definition of success which is by no means anyone else's definition Mm. like there was I totally get that whole thing where they like you know because I feel like I did that for a bit, like, from UQ, and it was like, oh, my God, look, she did all this, she raised money, and I'm just like, I don't care. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care. This is not helping 
Yeah, and it's not what you're trying to build. No, it's just bullshit. It's just bullshit. Learn, learn to smell out bullshit. That is my word of wisdom, and I would know. I have a compost starter. <laughs> oh my god, there could not have been a better way to end. <laughs> yes, I I oh my god, Ash, thank you so much for coming on Spark <laughs> TV. You. you are incredible. Thank oh yes, cheers. I love it. Cheers. We're through it now. Thank you so much. Of course. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.